Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning. I am Jenny Kaiser, and this is my husband, Alan Rochelle. And we will be reading today from Matthew 6, 19-24. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within is you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Jenny and Alan, thank you so much for reading the scripture for us today. We appreciate you doing that. So today we continue the path to contentment, exploring how to develop uh, characteristics and practices of well-being that go beyond simple happiness. And we're, and we're doing that in a way that we're also exploring stewardship during this time. Stewardship, and we're looking at it in a different way. So often in church circles, we think of stewardship, well, they're talking about money. Well, that's partly true. But there's a lot more to stewardship than simply that. We're talking about stewardship in the sense of that stewardship is what we do after we say yes to God. It's what we do after we say yes to God. So it's not simply about money. It's about all kinds of things in our life. How we live our lives in a way that reflect our faith in God, that reflect our trust in God. How we live our lives um, that show joy and peace and things like that. And ultimately, we think contentment. Because everything in our life, of course, is a gift, right? I mean, it's, you and I didn't create uh, this life. We didn't construct it. We didn't imagine it. It's just a gift. And, and so everything in this life are things that are entrusted to us through this time. That's our, our work, our intelligence, our families, our bodies, our everything. That's entrusted to us during this time. And so we're talking about stewardship as what we do with that life after we have said yes to God. So the scripture today might have sounded a little bit familiar. Uh, uh, this is the gospel of Matthew version of the same teaching, happens in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, happens in the gospel of Luke. That's where uh, Pastor Dale read last week, was in the gospel of Luke. It's, it's the same teaching, but you come at it from different angles in these two gospels. And so that was, that was the intent, uh, is to look at these from different directions. <clears throat> So, uh, last week, Pastor Dale did talk about abundance. Talked about abundance, that we already have it. Consider the flowers of the field, the birds of the air. They have everything they need that God provides. We have an abundance. And, and certainly, if you think of it in a, in a, in a tangible sort of way, uh, we, in our lives, certainly have an abundance. And if you've ever been on one of those uh, Proyecto Abrigo trips to Juarez, Mexico, or a living water trip to Central America with this church, then you know what I'm talking about. We have plenty. We have an abundance. An abundance already exists. God has provided an abundance for us to be trustees over. 
So, the, but abundance, so abundance is not just about the things that we have. It's a perspective. It's a perspective of seeing and understanding how God provides, seeing and understanding the things around us that there is plenty. It's that kind of perspective. It's just that we sometimes confuse that, though, with extravagance. Now, we don't use that word. We don't use the word extravagance, but we we tend to think of abundance as having lots and lots of stuff. So I have an abundance of things. When really it might be more of an extravagance. And so, because we're trying to gather all this abundance, then we clutter our lives. Our lives just get completely cluttered with, with not only physical things, but sometimes with commitments, sometimes with uh, uh, the way we spend our time, sometimes cluttered with things where we gather information. All those things are things that clutter our lives and keep us from living a life of contentment. So, in this cluttered life, I think there are some signs, some signs that you might have a cluttered life. Now, I'll tell you, I, I, I created a list, and, and where, let me tell you where I got the list. It's just, I made the list up, but I just did it partly from observation, <laughs> And honestly, part of it, my life, years ago. So you may have a cluttered life if you have a collection of paper clips, string, various nuts and bolts, and wire dating from 1994 because you might need it. Right? You might have a cluttered life if you can't drive more than two minutes without looking at your phone to text or scroll through social media or, the, or like unto it, you can't sit through a red light without looking at your phone. You might uh, if you have a cluttered life if you buy things at the grocery store that you have no plan to use, but you might. You might have a cluttered life if you have clothes in your closet you have not worn for five years. <laughs> so we have a witness already. For those of you online, we have a witness. Someone admitted there's some folks here already. Yeah. <laughs> You might have a cluttered life if you can't park your car in the garage because it's being used for storage. You might have a cluttered life if you rush through most days, multitasking as you go. You might have a cluttered life if you wish you had spent less money at the end of the month. You might have a cluttered life if you put off important activities because you just can't find the time. Well, many of us have cluttered lives one way or another. The perfect antidote, then, to a cluttered life is simplicity. It's simplicity. Now, don't, don't be afraid. So often, when I think when people who have a lot hear the word simplicity, what they think is the word scarcity. That it's the idea we have to give everything up. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it at all. Just like we tend to think of extravagance and confuse that with abundance, we sometimes hear simplicity and we think scarcity. no. It's not. It's just keeping life simple. Literally about keeping life simple. I mean, it's really just, it's, a, it's about living God's abundance, seeing and understanding and living in God's abundance without the need to take on more than you need. Without taking on more than you need. So the scripture today uh, helps us at several points of understanding uh, simplicity, I think, and employing it in our life. 
But, but it is important to understand a couple of verses here up front, because it really helps us to see and understand what the rest of the Scripture passage is talking about. It's verses 22 and 23, so let me reread them. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's not unusual to think about our eyes as some kind of light. Sometimes we think of it as a window, right? The eyes are the window of the soul. You can really see a person. And you might have had a conversation with somebody sometime that the way they looked you in the eye, you felt like they were seeing you almost like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we think of things that go into our body through our eyes. Well, that's more of a modern view. Um, And, you know, words and images and metaphors, all that kind of changes over the centuries. An ancient view of the eyes, it was the opposite, that your eyes show what's inside already. It's not a way to bring things into you. It shows what you see already. So the eye is not the lamp of the body to let light in. The eye is the lamp of the body to show what's already inside you. That's an important understanding to see what this is getting at. The eye is the lamp of the body. In the, in the ancient world, that was the way they, they viewed that. that. You see, it's, it's, and it's obviously not a literal light, it's, but it's, it's that way that you see and perceive It's the way that you project things outward that are already internal to you. So, that's one thing. The second thing we need to know is to understand the the uses of the word healthy and unhealthy. So, if if you look in your Bible, you're going to see footnotes to those words. And some translations actually use a, a very different word. Because there's, you know, it's just one of those translation issues. And you have to kind of think, well, what does that mean exactly? Because... Now, healthy and unhealthy are appropriate, but you need to understand those. It's not about the physical health of your eye or your body. Healthy more in the sense of if your eye is healthy, another translation is if your eye is generous. Because remember, it's about what you project out. It's what you show others. If your eye is healthy slash generous, That is the light coming through. But if your eye is unhealthy, slash stingy is the other word. If your eye is stingy, it shows darkness. And if, if, wow, because if you have, if the light in you is dark, how great is that darkness? It's about how you see and project your understanding and your perception outward. Generous, stingy are the words Jesus is using. So, as we think about our cluttered lives, we need to practice simplicity. So, we're just going to look at some arenas of our life that I think we get cluttered really easily. One of those is, is that we need to simplify our consumption of information. Simplify our consumption of information because there's just too much for us to process, right? There's just too much to process. And even then, if you try to read a lot of it, some of it is confusing or contradictory. 
How many people have had the conversation where you say, hey, I read a news article that said drinking coffee is really good for you. And a few weeks later, wait, I just read a news article that says drinking coffee is really bad for you. And then someone says, wait, no, I just saw that it's really good for you. All in the same moment, right? And if not coffee, it's chocolate. Or it's alcohol. Or it's on and on. It's just, so there's tons of information that we try to absorb but, but then some of it doesn't even line up. And yet we scroll through and scroll through, keep looking. What's the next thing that'll get my attention? We need to simplify our consumption of information because there's plenty of it out there. Uh, several years ago, uh, the president of the University of Southern California was Stephen Sample, and uh, he's since retired. He was an old school kind of guy. I mean, back in the day, he was an old school kind of guy. Uh, yeah, he, he wore a tie every day. For example, I mean, even Saturdays, he said he wore a tie. One time, jokingly, he said, I wear a tie in the shower, which you, know, you don't want to think about much, but, but he wore a tie. And, and one of the things he did was he read newspapers. Not just one, he read four newspapers every day. You know, L.A. Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, four front to back, every day, because he felt like as the president of the university, he needed to be informed. He needed to know what was going on, and so he read different newspapers thinking, I'll get different perspectives from the writers in these different newspapers, different parts of the country. And so somewhere along the way, he decided maybe, maybe that's not the best use of his time every morning. So he decided, I'm going to go on a month-long fast of the news. He wouldn't even watch the news at home on the TV not going to watch the news. And he said the most fascinating thing happened. He said every day somebody would come up to him and say, hey, did you hear about? And he'd say, well, uh, no, so tell me. And so they would tell him what happened. And then he said almost always they would tell their perspective on it, what they thought, how they felt about it. Same day, someone else says, hey, did you hear about? No, I, no, tell me about it. They'd tell him about the incident, and they'd tell their perspective on it. And he said that it was just fascinating because he'd find out something that had happened, but he, more importantly, he heard different perspectives. He said, he said I, didn't, I realized I didn't have to read the paper every day. I got the news. I got the really important news because if it really didn't matter, nobody would tell me about it. But I got the news every day, and I got the perspectives through conversations. We need to simplify our consumption of information, whatever that means for you. I've heard, I've heard the tip of set a timer, right? Set a timer on your computer, your phone, 15 minutes. When it goes off, shut it down. And you may need to do that two or three times a day. That's okay. But set a timer. That's it. Simplify consumption of information. I think a second way that we need to find simplicity and simplify our lives is simplify the commitments that we make. Simplify the commitments that we make. Uh, many of us have been in one of those restaurants uh, that's a buffet, right? Uh, there's one that advertises somewhere in this area uh, that uh, they have 10,000 square feet of buffet. Wow. I mean, you kind of want to just go see it, right? Now, Mary and I don't go to those kinds of uh, places to eat anymore. Uh, we don't ever go there. But now if you have a 14-year-old on an AAU basketball team, that's the place to go. Take the team there and let them just turn them loose. It's awesome. But what you do when you go to those places, or maybe, or maybe just a family holiday gathering, 
Well, what do you do? You get too much food. You get too much food. I wonder if anyone has ever uttered the words after walking out of one of those places, I just never got enough food. No, because no, we get too much. And, and, and so, well, then you're committed, right? I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm a, I'm a clean my plate kind of guy. Always have been. Uh, and so if it's on the plate, I'm going to eat it. Well, then what happens? I'm miserable. I can't believe I ate that much. I feel terrible. I'm going to have to take a pill to make myself feel better. And, if it's, and especially if it's in the evening. Well, now I can't go to sleep because I'm so full. I'm so miserable. If we don't do that, then we leave stuff on the plate, right? We leave things unfinished. I thought I could do it. I thought I could get there. I thought I could manage it. But I can't. And so it gets thrown away. See, so often when we think about our commitments, we think there's just too many options. Like like at a buffet, there's too many options. Too much. I'm going to get all kinds of things. The difficulty, yes, we just live in an age where there's a bazillion options. All the time. All the time. Challenge is not the options, the challenge is where we make our commitments. What are the things we really commit to? And how many things do we really commit to? Well, Jesus was pretty clear about commitments, wasn't he, in this passage? He was pretty clear. In verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. kind of hard to have two masters and say, I'm going to serve both of them equally. I just, to have, I'm, going to, I'm going to commit to six different things during the day. And, right? It's kind of hard to do that. Too many commitments divides our life. We're going all, we, we even say that sometimes. I'm going 14 different directions today. Because we have too many commitments. And we have to remember that the stewardship is what we do after we say yes to God. So we're doing all these things. Does that reflect, in doing all these things, taking on all these commitments, does that reflect a good trusteeship, a good stewardship of the life that God has given us? So we can't serve multiple masters. Jesus actually put a finer point on it in the last sentence of that verse that I'd left intentionally left unsaid a minute ago. The way he, that verse ended is, you cannot serve both God and money. So often, the things we invest in, well, now I'm committed to it, right? <laughs> it's hard to serve that and serve God. Well, that's actually a good segue to, um, to the, last, the last one, another way to practice simplicity, and that is to simplify our money and possessions. Simplifying money and possessions. What are, that's going to look differently for different folks, uh, certainly. But I loved last week uh, in Pastor Dale's message where he talked about... Um, uh, there was a time period where the average American family was about three people per family, and the average size of the house was 1,650 square feet, 1,650 square feet. Fast forward about 20 years, something like that. Family size was smaller. It was two and a half. And the house size had gone to 2,600 square feet. 63% increase, 0.4% increase. That's, that's huge, Right? And one of the fastest growing businesses was self-storage. So if fewer people in a larger house that rent space to store things, 
because they can't get their car in the garage because it's full of stuff. Right? At a certain point, we go, wait, what does it look like to simplify all this? And, I, and friends, like I said a little bit ago, part of this is a reflection of my own life from years ago. But you buy all that stuff and you think, well, I'm saving money by storing it in the garage, but wait, how much did I pay for that car that sits out in the driveway? Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where those things don't happen. So, to simplify, simplify. I heard someone say once that they followed the 101080 personal finance plan. I said, okay, well, I've never heard of that. What is that? They said, oh, it's, it's, pretty, it's just it's simple that, that when I get my take-home pay, 10% goes to God. Just, I just do that just right away. That's first, the first check I write back when we wrote checks. First bill pay, first whatever it is. Boom, it just goes. And he said, I do that first because if I wait, it won't be there later. So I'll use that money for something else. I do it first. Second thing I do is I 10% to savings. That might be a retirement fund. That might be a savings account. That might be money market. That might, whatever. 10% savings. He said, again, I do that first because if I wait, it won't be there at the end of the month. I'll do other things with it. So those are important. Those are commitments I do. And then I spend the other 80% joyfully. When I said, well, wait, joyfully. So you're talking about paying for your electricity, you're talking about car insurance, you're talking about some healthcare costs, you're talking about clothes, and inflation. Inflation, joyfully? And he said, well, yeah. He said, sure, that can be aggravating, all those things can be aggravating, but I, on the other hand, I think, well, at least I have the money and the plan to cover that stuff. And he says, and really, then it's just about an attitude. It's about an attitude, and I, I realize I, I can choose to see things around me that, that there's never enough and it's all bad, or I can see it joyfully, and I, can, and I feel, can feel good about the things I can do. And that kind of joy, that's the way I'm going to do it. And he said, and that's on me. That's what I do. I'm no, I'm no a financial consultant, but boy, something simple like that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You just do this, do this. And then, no, this is what I've got left <laughs> to have a plan and to manage. This is what we're going to do. Something simple. So we have to make those commitments and be careful about what those look like. Because we have to simplify our information, simplify the commitments that we make, simplify money and possessions, so that we can more and more reflect the goodness of God so to put it, put it in, in, to paraphrase verse 21 in this reading, this is important because where you commit your treasure, your heart is truly in it. So, these kinds of commitments, this way of simplicity, becomes a way that we experience contentment in our life, in a way that we live a faithful stewardship in our relationship with God. Let's pray. 
God, we're grateful for the abundance that is around us. Help us to see it. We're grateful for the, uh, the ways that you provide for us. Help us to see it. Thank you for the, for the means that we do have, whatever that is, however much that is. Help us to see the gift of that. Help us, God, to radiate that light outward from within us, that light of health and generosity. We thank you, God, for all the opportunities that we have, but God, we need your help discerning which ones to truly commit to and the ones that we need to just let it go. Help us, God, to make those uh, discernments and those commitments so that we truly can reflect your will for us and be the people that you intend us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.